Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life. This is the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind, your body, your mindset, your worldview, to go forward and build the life that you want to live, the life that you deserve to live. You know, we're talking about finding solutions to your problems, so-called problems, within. As someone who runs a podcast called Self-Control, I definitely know that I could do a lot more work on my own self-control, and that is part of what this show is about. It's being honest about that. But I think maybe we could go a step further and say we need to start defining self-control, defining self-discipline. And maybe that's a step forward because this self-control, this self-discipline, we surely know when we're lacking it. It shows up in all those ways when we're not doing what we believe we ought to do, right? Addiction, bad habits, procrastination, the inability to start something new, to try something new. But what does it look like to have that self-control? What does it feel like to have self-discipline? So I've come up with three ways in my life that I'm working toward improving self-control, working toward defining self-discipline. Now, of course, this is my perspective. This is all this show could ever be. I'd love for you in the comments below on YouTube or on the review on Apple Podcasts, on Facebook, get in touch with me there. I would love for you to offer some feedback to see if this makes sense to you, to see if these are ways that you can find that self-control, define that self-control, develop that self-discipline. These are three steps. They're not necessarily steps you have to take in order. They might more well be steps um, in ascending or greater difficulty as we go along. So listen to all three, listen to the third and final step and see maybe where you can get in, where you can get started. And again, let me know. So let's get into it. Three steps toward understanding and improving self-control or self-discipline. So, all right, what are we talking about again? Self-control or self-discipline. We need to determine exactly what is the self. Now, that's a crazy and deep philosophical question that we can let the eggheads argue about till the end of time. We don't necessarily have to define the self. Let's first determine what we ourselves can control. You know, I've found that so much pain and suffering, so many sleepless hours, so many, you know, that anguish of waking up at four in the morning thinking about whatever the hell you're thinking about, so much of that for me has come over the years related to stuff that I cannot control. And that realization itself took some time. So maybe use my pain and suffering to your advantage and ask yourself, is there a lot of anguish related to what you cannot control? And be honest about it. You know, whether it's the past, things that have happened, we've all had those moments we wish we could take back. It could be the future. It's not promised to anyone what's going to happen tomorrow, a year from now. It makes sense that we would have <laughs> some anguish or some, some fear related to that. It could be the thoughts of others. It could be the economy. It could be, well, what are these idiot politicians going to do next to uh, ruin our quality of life and divide the people, my opinion. I think what I've had to come to grips with is that my ego, partially because of what transpired earlier in my life, my ego likes to be certain about what's coming 
and it desperately needs to control as much as it possibly can. So think about that for yourself now. Is there some obsession with being certain about what's coming and having to control as much as you possibly can? Even when you know logically there's things that are out of your control and it's impossible to know in a sense what's coming. I did a four-part series this summer about how the ego works, especially when it comes to control and obsession with with the unknown, let's say. I'm going to link that um, in the show notes and I'll pop it right up there for you as well. Give that a listen and it's worth pursuing and understanding how our ego forms around um, that, that need for control. So really what results from this is at times not acting because of what I thought others would think or what I thought was going to happen or to worry incessantly before doing something even though I was going to do it anyway. And that, that to me is even more sinister and more self-sabotaging when we worry, worry, worry about the outcome all the while knowing we're still going to do the thing. It's crazy to think that we're going to act on something, do something, perform in some way, all the while thinking, here's all the ways it's going to go wrong. And what I found actually is that I've become very, very good at thinking myself into a stressed out state or into a state of low confidence because I focused on things I couldn't control. You know, I've mentioned before, uh, I freelance, right? I don't have a day job per se. So uh, many days a month, I'm driving off into the sunrise or the sunset to a place I've never been before to meet people I don't know, to do to, to work for them, to produce videos, to consult on videos. There are times when that's very stressful because I have no idea, how am I going to get into the building? I have a person's name or a phone number and an address. What's waiting for me on the other side of that door? Are all my batteries charged? Do I have everything I need? Is the script in place? Are these people comfortable with me? Are they comfortable with being on camera? Endless variables, right? Many of them out of my control. Yes, I got to make sure that the batteries are charged and I have everything I need, but I can't control how these people are going to receive me. I can't control how they're going to behave on camera necessarily. I can help them. I can direct them. Can't control other people's actions. You can't control in a sense what's coming down the road for you. And this, this can lead to stress. But again, if we're feeling stress and anguish and despair about all these things we can't control, what can we do? Well, I think simply put, and this is step number one, is to identify what you can control. And again, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about for all time on this show? That's right. Self-control. Control the one thing you can control. As large and infinite and slippery as it is, the self, the self is in many respects under your control. You can control your thoughts and you can control your actions. Mindfulness is something that I have had to educate myself on. It is something I would like to share with you. It's the state of mind. It's the way of thinking where we seek to become aware of our thoughts and to see clearly what we're thinking. Rather than let the outside world dictate how we think, rather than let our stress and our emotions and those sort of automatic, habitual ways in which we think control our thoughts, we seek to, a little bit at a time, become aware of how we are thinking, what we are thinking, and why we are thinking it. And a lot of what mindfulness preaches or would suggest is that we come into the moment, right? We're not 
flying away into the past, thinking about all these things we've done wrong. We're not flying down the road into the future thinking about, oh my God, am I going to, you know, what am I getting myself into here? What are they going to think about me? What are they? Those are just simply thoughts. And mindfulness is that approach to being aware of those thoughts and seeking to actually think about where those thoughts are coming from. So I would highly encourage you to look into the concept of mindfulness, understand it, begin to define it for yourself. I've done a handful of episodes about mindfulness. I'll link those uh, in the show notes or perhaps right up here as well because this really is a concept that will begin to free you and begin to help you develop self-control and self-discipline. And so along with the desire to examine our thoughts, to examine my thoughts and to work on sort of identifying and soon rejecting the thoughts that don't serve me, right? We were talking like, you're going you're gonna to get up and you're going to go to work or you're going to give the presentation or you're going to go to that family barbecue, which might be stressful. You're going to go. So why then are we going to sit and ruminate about all the ways that it might go wrong? It's not easy to do, but we can begin to identify these patterns. Along with identifying these patterns, examining them, is the need to actually physically control the self. And I'm talking like quite literally control yourself. I can clean myself. I can get dressed and look as good as I possibly can. I can have good posture. I can look people in the eyes when I speak to them. I can listen when they talk. I can do the job to the best of my ability. I can focus. And I can bring myself fully into the world not distracting myself with my own thoughts. This is like the basis of self-control, right? This is the basis of self-discipline. Your own physical being, as best you can, as slowly as you can, becomes under your control. And of course, as we know, we can dream up a million different things that we are not. I've called that before negational thinking. We can dream up all the ways we might fail. You know, but that starts in a sense to create a downward spiral you know it's quite well known that if you are driving a car and you start to lose control of that car for whatever reason your best bet is to look out the windshield at where you would like the car to go you know i was walking uh in the river valley a few weeks ago and i approached a pretty treacherous spot i knew it was coming but it's a very dusty and steep slope. There's trees on either side. It's a quite a, just a quick shot down this hill to, to some flat ground. It's dangerous. It's treacherous. And on the left-hand side was probably one of the most horrific things you could imagine. It was a, a tree, maybe about this big around, that a beaver had cut down. So it, it was a tree stump that came to a sharp point. And I thought, I would really hate to go face first or gut first into that spear that's coming out of the ground because I don't think I'd win that one you know you'd hate to go eyeball first into a tree that a beaver cut down so what did I do I had to just I had to know it was there but I I couldn't look at it because if I'm gonna be sort of sliding down this hill at about 75 percent control I sure as hell don't want to look at that because that's where I'm gonna go I gotta see the path see that flat spot where I'm where I'm headed for and make my way down. You know, I could go on and on about this, but I think you get the point. Self-discipline, if it's lacking in your life, and God knows for me some days it is, self-control is lacking. Rather than stressing yourself out further, it's time to start looking at where you want to go. It's time to start getting some easy wins today. 
So try this, educate and inform yourself on the idea of mindfulness and try and put it to work in your life. Determine how your own thinking is leading you astray, how your own thinking is compounding your problems and see if you can get a hold of that. And mindfulness couples very, very well with deep, conscious breathing. There's many ways to breathe. (laughs) There's many wrong ways to breathe, believe it or not. Inform yourself on mindfulness. Inform yourself on proper breathing. And number two, look into where your ego might be driving you to obsess over the things that are truly out of your control. If we're going to talk about self-control, we also have to talk about the fact that our self is not in control of many, many things. So take that fierce energy, that desire to control something and turn it back on yourself. Start small, a couple minutes a day maybe, but draw that line. What can I control and can I get my hands around it right now? All right, the second way, the second approach to developing self-control, to defining self-discipline, to just improving those, those things, and I'm using them interchangeably, is to start to form a sort of honesty with yourself and to pursue self-knowing. I got two questions that you need to ask. These are questions that I ask myself. How am I weakening myself and what are my natural strengths? And you know, I think that this step, this process, this part of the process is is about ultimately authentically becoming who we are, developing ourselves, seeking to fulfill our potential. How am I weakening myself? How am I consciously or unconsciously preventing myself from reaching my potential? How am I doing it? I'm not telling you to stop doing it, but at least become aware that you're doing it. And what are my natural strengths? What do I have in my life that I can build on? You know, we talked about that in an earlier episode, how so much self-confidence and self-esteem can come from identifying what we naturally find interesting and what we're good at and building on those things. It's not doing something you've never done, but it's looking within and saying, well, what is it that comes from within that I, I naturally want to do and naturally seem to have even a little bit of talent towards? So when it comes to weakening ourselves, right, I think intuitively a lot of the time we know how our choices hurt us. Am I drinking too much? Am I avoiding people again? Do I say things out loud like, I'm stupid, I failed, I don't know anything, I'll never move up, I'll never progress, I'll never be this, I'll never be that. Let me say that on a certain level, when we speak those words out, we are casting a spell on ourselves because there's a part of our mind that doesn't know the difference. There's a part of our mind that says, well, I said I was stupid, I must be stupid. I said I'll never progress, so I'll never progress. And We don't want to be stupid. We would like to progress. And yet on some level, we think maybe we never will. But on some level also, that's our fault for saying that, for putting that out there on ourselves. And when it comes to addiction or bad habits or vices, if you like, I've said a lot about that on on this show and I'll provide some links. There is a way, at least for me, that we can begin to understand and manage addiction understand how and why we're choosing to weaken ourselves with these behaviors. And it's not to just crucify yourself and call yourself an a-hole and and then rush to stop and then fail and go down the rabbit hole again. We use addiction as a challenge to seek to understand, well, why do I feel the need to overeat? Why did I feel the need to be lazy, to procrastinate, 
in the past, why did I use marijuana? Why did I use pornography? And to start to be willing to admit that I am not at my best when I do those things. My self-control, when my self-control lacks, I'm not at my best and I, I engage in these behaviors that maybe feel good in the moment, but I know they weaken me over time. Tell yourself this. Tell yourself that a better version of myself exists. Doesn't have, to, doesn't have to come into my life tomorrow, this person, this guy or gal, this better me, this improved, more developed me, in fact. But there is a version of me that isn't weakening themselves. There is one who is instead accepting that darkness, accepting those shortcomings, and instead putting equal time or more time into pursuing the natural strengths and interests that I have. I think it's in fact a little bit more uplifting to think about that second side of the coin to examine what it is I'm naturally capable of, what I'm naturally good at. So I'd encourage you to, to put time into that. Yes, examine where you're hurting yourself, where you're speaking yourself into weakness, where your addiction and your vices and your bad habits have got a hold of you. But put some time also into thinking about your natural gifts your natural strengths. You know, and don't feed yourself the bullshit of saying, well, I have none. Because if you're looking, like you're watching this show, you're listening to this show, how to build a better life, how to develop self-control. You're looking for a way up and out of that place that you're in right now. Nobody is going to offer you that hand up but yourself. It's not even me because I'm just talking to myself at a certain point. You want to bullshit yourself and say you have no strengths or gifts? You might as well stop watching. You're looking for a way away from low self-control, from low self-esteem. You yourself are the one who's going to offer yourself the hand up. That more developed, more precise version of you who exists in the potential world and will one day come to live in the real world is offering yourself the hand up. The self that you are today, the person you are today has to accept that challenge by saying, I do have the strength. I do have the abilities. They're undeveloped. They're unclear. I want to reach up to you and go to this place with you. And it's your responsibility to say, look, here's where I've let myself down. Fine. But here too is your responsibility to say, here's where my power lies. Right? I can be humorous. I can actually get obsessively interested about some things like math or nutrition or building something or parenting my child or cleaning the dishes. Go fully into that. Go fully into whatever it is that you know that you can at least have some amount of success in because in that space in your life, there is the thing at hand, right? There is the math, the telescope, the online group that you moderate, the child that you're parenting, but it's in that space also with that thing in hand that the self-development comes through that act, through that challenge. It doesn't come in a vacuum. It comes through the doing. All right, here's the third step. And I think it probably is the most difficult of the three. It's still something that I struggle with. It is to practice or to at least think about practicing, beginning to instill a little bit of emotional control. Because let's be honest, the, the worse you are at emotional control, the more likely you are to struggle in life. If you cannot get a handle 
on your emotional reaction to things, it's hard to really go very far. But again, it's your body, it's your nervous system, it's your emotions. So if you ain't in control, who is? And there's a couple of really grim answers to that question. If you're not in control of your body and your emotions, who is? And you know what? You could even take these past two steps that we talk about and say, well, I want to make emotional control or my lack of emotional control. I want to make that the place where I go to do the work, to develop myself. I want to say that's where I'm weakening myself. That's where I want to take on the challenge. That's where I could put in a little mindfulness. That's where I could start to realize and anticipate when my emotions have gotten out of control. You might choose to say that my emotional control, as poor as it is or as (laughs) in need of work as it is, that's the space in my life where I'm going to exact my self-control. I don't have much else going for me. I could at least take control of my nervous system, my emotions, my body. I think we have to fully reject the idea that emotions are just made to sweep over us and, and rule us. I don't, I don't think, I don't see how that helps. And of course, when emotions come, you want to feel them, especially positive emotions. I'm not saying to just become this, um, a rock, right? When, when you have to cry, you cry. When you want to jump for joy, you jump for joy. When you want to feel bitter and ashamed and guilty, you might want to feel those things because they are necessary and they're teaching moments. They remind you that you're alive. We're talking about the inability to control those emotions, to let them take over your response to whatever it is that's happening. It may be difficult, but they can be controlled. And I would say there's levels to it, right? Physically, it may be that you're in pain. It may be that you're sleeping poorly. You're eating poorly. You could use a little bit of release, right? You're stressed out, you're burned out, or perhaps you're releasing too often, so to speak. We're talking about addiction here running away from life. Those emotional outbursts then could be seen as a cry for freedom. And that freedom, it begins in our own body. So if now you're thinking, well, yeah, I'm sleeping like hell and I'm not really taking care of my body. I don't exercise, don't eat well. Of course, you're going to have poor emotional control. But then again, here's the space now where you can get to work. Start to not even worry about the emotional control, but reinforce, strengthen, give your body what it needs so that it doesn't have to cry out for freedom in these childish ways. I've been saying this is not going to happen overnight, but this pursuit of understanding your emotions, I think in time, what I've found is it leads to an anticipation, right? It's like I began to realize, okay, I got to go do a job this morning with people I've never met in a place I've never been. I am scared. I'm afraid. Okay, and what's going to happen? I'm going to get stressed out. I'm going to start rushing. I'm going to start berating myself for every little thing. Oh, I didn't do this, didn't do that. Oh, I'm going to be late, blah, blah, blah. Patrick, you idiot. Okay, I began to understand. The fear of the unknown and my lack of control over the situations leads to an emotional response in me. Let's start getting it under control and let's accept, hey, I'm going into the unknown. That's pretty friggin' cool. And it's not totally the unknown because I'm going to be there. And the guy, me, who shows up there would be better off not showing up as a stressed out ball of nerves rolling in at the last minute, not sure what he's getting into. Even if you got to fake that confidence, I told myself it was better than showing up in a state where you have weakened yourself. So in pursuing emotional control, we become able to anticipate where our emotions are going to arise. We can use mindfulness. 
where we can just use repetition to start to understand and prepare to exact a little bit of control. And so I do think emotional control really is a fitting third step after these first two. Emotional control can become that work in progress and it will be greatly, greatly helped, greatly empowered when we focus on the things that we can control. Instead of crying about what's gone on, what's past, fearing or being afraid of what's going to happen or what others, you know, because others will commit all unspeakable acts of evil on you, but that's out of your control. Having an emotional response that is, you know, beyond reasonable to that does not help. The strength comes in our decision to one day accept these things. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't change what happened. People are going to be you know what to you all the time. But we cannot fall victim to that childish need to control everything. And secondly, we realize that, look, we are weakening ourselves with that poor emotional control. All that energy we're spending on having a temper tantrum, on staying in bed, on feeling sad or mad or guilty or indignant or bitter or ashamed, all that energy we're putting into those emotions isn't even taking us anywhere. We're sitting here stewing. And not the good kind of stew. The strength then does come in our acceptance of how much is out of our control and our resolve to, in the face of that, unimaginable pain to one day control how we respond to that fact. Think about it again. The acceptance of how much is out of our control and yet resolving to accept that and to find strength in taking control of the one thing we can control, the self. So I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please try these three points out in your life. Let me know if they work for you. Let me know if they make sense. Use the YouTube comment section where all the great discourse goes on in this life. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts. Get at me on Facebook. Use the Q&A feature on Spotify. These sorts of things, this engagement really helps other people like you find the show. It helps get my message out there for whatever good I could possibly do. And until we speak again, please remember, say it with me, better is possible.